0: Hey to the hey, 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 it's your good buddy and occasional host, Heath, here to bring you another episode of Tom Talks. Look, fellas, I'm not going to mince words with the fancy cast intros that I normally do today, okay? We just don't have time for it. There's too much good stuff we've got to discuss, okay? So, with me today, as always, is my Tom Talks sidekick, Adam. Hello. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Cool. Cool. All right. I know you're in a good mood because we uh, listened to a whole set of fish earlier, but don't you dare start talking about that. All I right? won't. Don't worry. I'm <laughs> um, also joined by Josh and John, the J-Squad themselves. How are you, fellas?
1: Hey, hey, I'm good. Doing well, doing well.
0: Good, good. Um, so, it's December. You know what that means? Holidays are coming up. Uh, I think we have to at least quickly have the obligatory "What are you doing for the holidays?" conversation. Any big plans, guys, or just some small get-togethers with the fam kind of thing?
2: Yeah, it's a family. It's a family affair, as Sly would it say. He would.
3: Yeah. Wow. No, I don't really have too much planned. Just a little bit of time off of work. Uh, sister's coming to town, uh, in from California, so that'll be nice.
1: nice. Oh, uh, okay. Family okay. affair and empty wallet.
3: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Truth. But yeah, just, just small family
0: get-together, you know? I'm actually doing half the amount of stuff I usually do for Christmas. My grandma is kind of one side of my family. It centers around her. And uh, she's going to be in the mountains for the holidays and stuff. So we're just going to do my mom's thing. Cool. That,
2: that, yeah. That'll make it kind of easier on you, I think.
0: Cheaper, for sure. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. stressful. <laughs> I, <am>, uh, <laughs> I am going to this light festival... This weekend it's called Luna Fett and it's this thing that New Orleans does where downtown they like set up all these light focused art installations like in the street you know and you walk through it all and stuff like that and they do it every um, around Christmas time but it's not really Christmas themed lights you know what I mean like it's it's artistic light sculptures and then they do the uh, the imaging, like, on the building to where they, like, distort the way the building looks. You know, the projection. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah.
1: it's fun. It's cool. Looking forward to yeah, that. That sounds, that really sounds cool. super cool, man. I See, go.
0: All, we, all we've all we got down here is the Lewis lights, which is literally just a bunch of wood cutouts in somebody's yard with, you know, uh, like, Christmas lights strung around them.
2: We well,
1: all can come out the old, and see like- it. <laughs> <laughs> or like the old dead tree with a bunch of like different colored bottles on the branches. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, bottle tree. Or like the painted uh, uh, wheel rims, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we host one of those at our house every year. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so, uh, well, from the STF crew to you and your loved ones, happy holidays, everybody. I hope you all get the presents you want, or at least ones that are really, really super-duper cool. Um, so the Starfinder community recently got a cool new present in the form of the Character Operations Manual. And that, my friends, is what we're here to talk about today. I, for one, couldn't be more excited. There's new classes, racial features, themes, feats, spells, gear, starship roles, and more. And I just want to know, my dear, dear friends and fellow podcasters, are you guys as absolutely pumped as I am about the Character Operations Manual?
2: Oh my god, yes. (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, I was looking forward to it from when, like, Whenever they announced it, you know, I was like, cool. You know, we definitely need some new classes. And I think for the longest time, that's what we thought that the book was, was just three new classes. Right. And when, you know, as it got closer and they were revealing some more of the stuff that was coming with it. And then we got it in our hands. Like, holy shit, y'all, this just blew up the game. Completed it even, you know, the script.
0: So, so to your point, Adam, um, that's kind of been my assessment this whole time. Because, you know, in, in preparing for this Tom Talks, I've been just nose deep in the character operations manual for like a week now. Oh, wait, now.
2: we're we're not doing the Pact Worlds book? No, we're not. <laughs> uh, so oh, we, man, I, mean,
0: I can, was told it was supposed can to be We could do a Armory. different show on that, but it'd be way late. Yeah. Um, but I really do feel like... It, this is not so much as a supplementary book as it is completing the game that we know and love. Yeah. It, it the things that were missing that that you could reasonably complain about, this book replaces it
1: or not I replaces mean, it, fills in. If that I board. can interject just real quick, I mean, yeah. okay, so I've got all the books, I've got all the PDFs, and if they if Paizo were to like come out with another book to like just put like to put together the character operations manual with the core rule book, I'd buy that too, okay.
0: So So my thing is I think if if someone were to start like get the idea today that they want for sure to play Starfinder and they were asking my opinion, what books should they buy? I would say, I have two answers. If you just want the rough and dirty, but you want all the options for your character creation, buy the core rulebook and buy the character operations manual. But if you want a well-rounded experience, as far as additional lore and settings, add in the Pact Worlds. But you shouldn't need more than those three books. And really, if you just had the core rulebook and the character operations manual, you will be fucking fine for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So... We do have a lot to cover in this episode, so let's jump right into probably the biggest news, the biggest draw of the character operations manual, the new classes. Mm -hmm. So I assigned each of you one class to discuss today, to paint a word picture for the listeners, and what I'm going to do, I'm going to roll a die to see (laughs) who gets to start. Okay. Okay. One is John, two is Adam, three is Josh. You have a three-sided die? No, I have a four, though. Uh, a four. If a, we roll a four, you have to six. do all three of them. <laughs> I rolled a three. So it's Josh. All right. So, uh, so what, what yeah. class do you have for us? So I assigned,
3: well, I wouldn't really assigned it. Uh, I picked it, it was because I thought it was cool, the biohacker. Because uh, I just thought it was like the idea of having this character that's walking around kind of like an alchemist, but like a science fiction version of it. Uh, walking around, mixing concoctions and shit, and then loading them into to darts or into injection weapons to, you know, either buff their friendlies or their teammates or to debuff enemies or give them negative conditions was just really freaking cool. I mean, they start out with a proficiency in injection weapons, regardless of what type of weapon it is. So you could have a level one biohacker that has one of the new added in the character operations manual, a an injection sniper rifle from level one. And, uh, like without having to take any extra feats or anything to be able to use it. Um, let's see, they've got a bunch of different, uh, like they kind of differentiate themselves from other or within that class through their different fields of study that they take at first fifth, I'm sorry, first seventh and 13th level. Um, and they range from genetics to immunology to neurochemistry, pharmacology, and I think toxicology. So that, is that kind of their, their spec sort of, it gives them like it, it that determines what their biohacks can do. Like they've, they've got uh, basic boosters and inhibitors that as well as ones that are given through their field of study. So like say genetics, uh, you can give a friendly or a creature. It doesn't have to be a friendly uh, through either a manual injection, like stick a needle in them or shoot them with an injection weapon with that loaded into it. Uh, give them blind sense, uh, or to give vulnerability to an energy type of your choice at, if you use it as an inhibitor. So you, you can use your biohacks uh, one time per day plus your primary skill modifier
2: or which key ability be, score modifier, which is, which which
3: is probably going to be intelligence. I think you can pick intelligence or will maybe, but I'm not 100% Yeah, I think certain. it's a
2: wisdom or intelligence based on what you want. Yeah, to, wisdom, sorry. Yeah. Um,
3: but, uh, I'm, I'm currently playing a level one biohacker in a different Starfinder campaign. So it's also really cool that you have a micro lab that you can use to identify a creature. Uh, if it's living, use life science. If it's unliving, uh, I guess if either, if it's died or if it's actually undead as a movement action within range of your uh, micro lab, which starts at 60 feet and I think can be upgraded. Um, And the die roll is always treated as a 20. So you take that plus like my level one biohacker has plus 10 to life science. So every time I want to identify a creature as a move action,
2: I roll a 30. Oh, so that's the thing. That's the thing is you got to actually spend a move action instead of Mm -hmm. like, because normally knowledge checks you can just do because of free action. But you use up a move action and you get a guaranteed like, I know everything about this creature, right? Yeah, that's. I mean,
0: that's a very valuable spending of a move action, though. I think so. Yeah. That's, a,
2: that's a great economy, you know? I mean, a move action, once you're like kind of where you want to be, screw it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to well, figure out what It's got a range of 60 fighting, feet, too. You know? And I so. think that's really cool, like, flavor for the biohacker, too. Like, it's an interesting type of support to be like, hey, we got a guy here that can help us pinpoint the weaknesses of everything we fight. That's awesome. Mm hmm. Yeah. as
3: as well as help inform the biohacker uh, itself as to what type of inhibitors it may want to use right like if you you tell it's got a high AC you can you know as a basic inhibitor give it a negative 2 AC or if you know that it's got uh, like a tough hide and has damage reduction you can reduce that by five instead.
0: Oh, that's very cool. That's yeah. very cool, yeah. a- and like and complicated, like in a in a in a good way. Like, yeah, I the would fact think that you're not bored and just sitting mm-hmm. around and
2: identifying creatures, you know? Right, and I think biohacker is probably the most complicated of the n- new classes. You know, yes.
0: So I, I do think it's interesting because when I first heard about biohacker, I just assumed full intelligence class, but you can also be wisdom. So like that's that's a pretty interesting take on that that if you really wanted to go wisdom and like maybe multi class into something else that that used wisdom like that's available to you and mm-hmm. like that's that's kind of a a theme that's gonna continue to run through our assessment of the character operations manual is just getting more and more options that you know you you didn't realize you were missing
3: mm-hmm. right mhm-. Well and on on top of that like they make for a hell of like a combat medic type thing like I've I built mine uh, even at level 1 to be able to I think treat deadly wounds as a standard action or no th- no it's 1 minute instead of 10 minutes I think.
2: Oh right so you can you can Well no I think it does bring it down to an action either way. You're right like you get it, it like creates this It's an interesting take on the battle medic, too, because not only are you there, like, helping your allies, but you have all these things that you can do to debuff, too. It's a real Mm -hmm. buff-debuff type class, you
0: know? Well, yeah, and, like, the notion of, like, shooting enemies from range with, like, you know, injection darts and stuff like that to debuff them is really, really fun to me. And and like this book in general, like uh, because the biohacker exists, like I was looking through the, the you know the equipment section, and there's so many more injection-based weapons now. Right,
2: like it gave mm-hmm. them gave them like a whole table of weapons to choose from, you know, to interact with that injection feature that they get. Right,
1: I think uh, I think as far as a party uh, look, I mean outlook in any adventure path, I mean a, a biohacker is something that would. Not have any kind of overlap with any other uh, character. Um, yeah, they're, in, they're in, in pretty the unique. Party. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if, I mean, they like they're up. there to provide that support. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I feel like I detect just like the tiniest smidge of jealousy on the part of John over here because he's. Oh yeah, no, know,
1: not at all. I know,
0: I know he's dealt with like just like skill overlap and stuff like that. That yeah,
2: you yeah, know, you've talked about before. You know, oh the yeah, absolutely. Or yeah, mechanic just, overlap frustrated there was a, a conundrum absolutely game. but i think you figured out too a little bit more how to lean into technomancer side of stuff you know exactly over the course of the game yeah yeah uh, biohacker is cool though man i i would love to play a biohacker you know yeah well what little i have played of one like i i really
3: enjoyed it you know it's it's super super cool and i'm very much looking forward to continuing and seeing how that character grows you know given time
0: So one thing I think is interesting is that because you have like different schools of of medicine or whatever that kind of to some degree represent a spec. Like Mm -hmm. I I think the first time again that I heard about uh, a biohacker, I I was like, okay, well that's going to lead into like a you know disgraced medical doctor kind of trope you know but there's a lot of different ways to do it you can be like a geneticist you can be a toxicologist like
2: Mm -hmm. you know and it it gives you all that to like you know mechanically to help you flavor it in different unique ways too so it's cool it's cool what type of uh study is your biohacker josh
3: mine is a uh his first field of study only one he has right now is pharmacology pharmacology
2: so you're getting into drugs
3: you get Yeah, well, you get a booster uh, that gives immunity to bleeding or stops bleeding if somebody is currently bleeding.
2: That's Um, pretty useful.
3: Yeah. Uh, And also an inhibitor that I can use on other creatures to uh, makes the creature encumbered Mm. and also is entangled if it fails a fortitude save. So it's encumbered no matter what. And if it fails a fort save, it's entangled too.
0: Wow. that's crazy it just yeah. encumbers somebody yeah, yeah. it just makes your game. blood
2: heavy makes you all <laughs>
0: sluggish dude do you realize how bad that would fuck up like a titanium mic you oh, know <laughs> like- be,
2: yeah you'd be screwed man oh my gosh you'd be in so you'd be, be in trouble there
0: too heavy man to mm-hmm. begin with you know
2: and then yeah like a, like a lot of the other classes you've also
3: got uh theorems which would be sort of like the like say the mechanic tricks you know, yeah, kind of your things class can kinda things that kinda help yeah, yeah, class features. Um, and those again stick with the mostly medical type theme. Probably my favorite that I saw from the list is treat condition, you can get it at level two. And it allows you to remove shaken, sickened, or staggered as a standard action.
2: Oh shit. Gosh, dude. Yeah.
3: Sorry, sorry. It allows you to remove the effects of it for a certain number of rounds. Yeah, oh, okay. you'll so still, you still have
2: the condition, but, you but can, still, yeah, you can stabilize the condition for a second. That's fucking cool, dude. Biohacker is a good addition to any party. I think. I, I think every party would be glad to have that guy there. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's really that's,
0: that's awesome. That's really interesting that you can choose to like treat the symptoms, not the disease, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, well, that's and it, awesome. it
3: fits into that like
2: combat medic yeah. type role. Well, and it's pharmacology. You know what I mean?
3: <laughs> yeah, sure.
0: <laughs> just dosing people up. you Yeah, know? yeah. Just you, um, you can't
2: cure the problem because then they won't buy more
3: drugs. You know. <laughs> 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 you got need to have a reason for him to stick around,
0: right? Right. right. Yeah, he, that's his. That's his uh, money. You know, uh, whatever. Whatever that currency might be, whether it be just remaining in the party. Like that's <laughs> that's how he's got to do it. You know. Right. 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 Well that I mean biohacker sounds like a really cool class like I I really didn't know much about it I've talked a little bit with a friend of mine about it uh, who was interested in it but I really didn't know very much and I intentionally kind of uh cuz I knew I was going to do this episode I read almost everything in the character operations manual other than like getting super invested in in what the new classes were <laughs> e- even the Witch Warper, which I'm interested in making and the vanguard I read like you know the level one, two, and three kind of stuff, and then was like, "All right, I don't want to know what they do after that," you know. Why,
2: well, because we we're going to tell you, right, <laughs> we, for well, the yeah. show. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, is that is is that? Do you got anything else you want to share with us about biohacker? Or
3: yeah, the uh, they've got some basic boosters, and stop me if I've already said this, uh, but uh, that you can increase a creature's AC by plus one. Give them plus two to skill checks uh, or increase their movement speed by 10 feet, which oh lasts for four rounds. That's um, very cool. And then in basic inhibitors. These are what all biohackers get uh, is minus two AC. Yeah. yeah. Or, I think or you told reduce, us the I did say this. inhibitors, but yeah. not
2: the boosters. Yeah. It's,
3: it's right. fine. If you it, have
0: a head cold. And, yeah, and I do.
2: You need a biohacker in your life.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. If I have one. <laughs> How man? I did not expect the irony of that—that the fucking biohacker doctor guy comes in with a head cold.
3: Man, I am I am sitting here trying to biohack myself with a hot toddy. So hell yeah, good luck, buddy. Cheers.
2: Mm. Cheers indeed.
0: So I've got to ask before we move on to the next class. I've noticed uh, recently, you know, you're rocking the stash. I don't know if you guys look to. Much into the camera here, but I'm rocking a pretty wicked stash myself. Yep. Mm-hmm. Does your character have a wicked ass stash? No, he does not. No. Okay. No. Color no, me Fel,
3: surprised. Fell might concentrate really hard and try and grow one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so we've got two more classes. We and do. I want I want to go to Adam. All right. And uh tell me about tell me about the class that you researched. I did uh I looked into Witch Warper. It's a
2: pretty interesting class. I mean, so it's a full caster, charisma-based caster, okay? Um, And listen, I'm just going to read this overview because there's a word in this overview that we have to talk about. Oh, Um,
0: I've been waiting on this. Yeah,
2: yeah. Okay, so the overview for the Witch Warper is most people believe that reality is limited to their physical surroundings. You know the truth. That everything around you is merely a thin veil draped across the infinite tapestry of existence. Your reality is, and here's the word, palimpsest with all possible worlds and <laughs> all alternate existences at your disposal through your magic. And force of personality, you can peer into these timelines and pull from them as you see fit, using their dimensional echoes to twist and reshape your own world. So that's like the overview. But can we just take a second and talk about yeah, palimpsest?
0: No, look, I'm a step ahead of you, but my guy, because I will say, me and Zach uh, had a field day with this word the other day <laughs> when we were first looking at the Witch Warper, and. We looked it up because, like, I won't lie, neither of us knew what the fucking word palimpsest meant. Why would you? Yeah. Well, what well do you no. Mean? I mean, the thing, you don't the,
1: use it in your active lexicon. Yeah, right? No, <laughs> the thing is, I
0: guarantee you there was like 2% of the Starfinder population that read that and was like, you guys are my fucking dogs. I've been I've been squirreling that word away forever. But the word palimpsest means a like a, a, a scroll or a piece of paper or something like that. Upon which things were written and then erased and then rewritten upon, but you can see the traces of the old writing. So yes. it's like a traditional our character
1: sheet text or something like that. <laughs> yeah, like a traditional
2: <laughs> character sheet. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, Josh. It I is. I like that. Indeed. That's a good one. That would be a perfect example of a pound cest.
1: Yeah, it's, it's actually.
0: Yeah, it's actually a really old word, and um, right. a lot of our um, best. You know, recorded interpretations of ancient philosophers, whether they be Greek, Roman, Egyptian, whatever, were actually found on Palimpsest. Because I, did, me and Zach, I said, did some fucking research. Yeah. <laughs> because this word, you know, uh, really kicked off something special in our English major brains.
2: I think that it
0: uh,
2: is a very. It's chosen for a very specific reason and is very apt to be used in a description of the witch warper because that's what you're doing. You're erasing a reality, putting a new reality on top of it, but you can still see the old reality that was there. I think it's pretty clever use of a big word. Kudos Paizo. I guess you guys have some intelligent people working. It's your company.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's not only it's not only a very intelligent use of a ver- very, you know, uh, upper level word but it's a really good way of like embodying the whole class in a single word right you know yeah. because it is very cool i mean like like even your level one stuff because like i said i only looked into the like level one yeah, and well, two stuff
2: i get, to get to it okay <laughs> uh, we just had to stop on Palimpsest. I mean, that, that'll, I think, should hang anybody up. A word like that, if you don't know what it is, you need to stop and go look it up because you'll find something out
1: interesting.
0: I, I can't wait to see That's one word it. you'll
1: never forget. You know, yeah. yeah, it's now in I, your in your dictionary. In your well, back, I, I can't
0: you know? wait to see how much that word explodes in the TTRPG community because of this book. <laughs> like, people are going to be casually dropping palimpsest <laughs> into conversations, and it's gonna be like, "You fucking douchebag," but I feel you. <laughs> you know. Uh,
2: all right, so Witch warper, as I said, it's a charisma based full caster or like full caster for Starfinder, anyway. um, and it starts off with a key feature called infinite worlds. And so this is kind of your thing that's unique to you as a witch warper, as a Spellcaster, is that you can trade in your spell slots for another effect. So you can expend a spell slot to do what's called an infinite worlds effect. And depending on what level of spell slot you expend, is how powerful the effects of this are going to be. And what it is, is you just kind of create a small bubble of altered reality, projecting elements of parallel existences into your current universe. And there's two types. There's the environmental and instantaneous. The uh, environmental often changes the landscape of the battlefield by, you know, I don't know, making it difficult terrain. Like maybe you're on a, a dirt road, you can like change it into mud. And all of a sudden now that road becomes difficult terrain. Um, that's kind of like the environmental stuff. And then there's the instantaneous is like a summoning a, a quick effect like pulling an explosion that's happening in another reality into your reality right on top of somebody, you know, it's, it's so cool. Um, some examples that like from the book that you can do. So if you were to expend a third level spell slot, the options that you would have, the environmental would be you could cause the area to grant concealment against one sense, vision, emotion, life, sense, sound, thought, or vibration. So you can that's like, cool. yeah, just boom. Like, that whole thing is dark, or... Right. Or, like, silenced, or whatever.
1: So effective, man, when you think about yeah.
2: it. Yeah. It, it's just, like, what I like about the Infinite Worlds stuff, in the Witch Warper as a whole, is you become a lot more utility-oriented. You know what I mean? Like, you, you are responding to your current environment, so you can adapt. You know, you don't have to have the perfect spell slot prepped. You have, basically, a silence or... A difficult terrain spell at your disposal at any time. So you can use your spells known for all your other cool stuff, you know, like, I don't know. It's really neat. And then the instantaneous thing at third level is that you create a disorienting event, such as burst of flashing colors and loud sounds or rain falling upward in spirals. Each creature within the area must succeed at a wheel save or be knocked off target for a number of rounds equal to the level of the spell expended. If the creature rolls a natural one on the save, it's also staggered for one round. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: Dude, so uh. so I've gotta say, with the witch warper, like, yes, it is, it's very it's an interesting take on a utility class, but one thing that just strikes me and has struck me since I very first started to look at anything about it, is that it is a smorgasbord of flavor. You can flavor these effects in any way that you want. Yeah. You're
2: pulling for, it's called infinite worlds. You can pull from anywhere, you know, to flavor, whatever the mechanical effect is. It's really, it's really a spellcaster for the imaginative. I think, you know, strange. Yeah. Dr. Strange for sure. You know? And then at second level, you start to get paradigm shifts, which this is the witch warpers class feats, you know? Um, like the theorems of the biohacker, right? This is the paradigm shift. You get this at level two and then every three levels thereafter. And it's just cool little abilities that you can do. Like, for example, a second level paradigm shift is called Disrupt Creature. As a standard action, you can expend an unused spell slot to target a creature within 100 feet and swap in alternate... Alternate physiologies or circuitry in its body in this version of existence, imposing the shaking condition for a number of rounds equal to the level spell slot expended. So like what you're doing is replacing the insides of your enemy with the insides of another existence
1: <laughs> that is insane <laughs> that, oh that's my second God. level that's like that's some rick sanchez level. type level shit yeah know? for real oh for God. real what the fuck
2: man. and then there's flash teleport which is an eighth level paradigm kind of something a little higher level to get a peek at as a move action you can spend one resolve point to teleport up to 30 feet doesn't nice. provoke opportunity attack it's misty step which is <laughs> yeah, not a thing step. in Starfinder. you know so that's like that's huge. You could just boop, you can just teleport right out or right on top of somebody or whatever, you know. Um so you get those as you go. As I said, your infinite worlds powers up as you go, you get the spells, which the witch warpers have their own spell list. And I'll talk about some of the spells that are specific to them, but they also get access to some of the same spells that mystics and technomancers get, but they do have some class specific spells that are really neat at sixth level. You get a feature called alternate outcome, which is basically like luck. you can, as a reaction, once per day, you can re-roll one attack, roll, saving throw, ability check, or skill check. You know, if so if you rolled shitty, you can just boom, reroll. I'll, here's what I really like about it, though, is alternatively, you can expend a use of alternate outcome as a reaction to cause a critical hit against you or an ally within 100 feet to instead be a normal hit. You can, like, straight up negate somebody else's critical, like, your enemy's critical hit. Nice. Um, so again, like just manipulating the reality around you. Um, and then it's one of its like prestige things. The 19th level deal is that you get five free paradigm shifts that you didn't already know. Just boom, you just get five. Uh, And then those, um, you can use those for free a number of times equal to your charisma modifier.
0: Then you just are Dr. Strange.
2: Yeah, yeah you're, you're like a higher level than Dr. Strange at that point, I think you know it's it's really awesome. And then just to kind of wrap it up before we talk about it as a group, is there some um, some sample witch warper spells that they that came in the book. There's acid rain, which is a fifth level witch warper spell. It makes a 20 foot radius 40 feet high area. And everything in that area, Acid Rain falls down on, does 3d6 Acid Damage per round. And it lasts a number of rounds equal to your level. And you must attempt a Fortitude save when exposed to the spell on a failure. The creature has a 50% mischance for its attacks while in the area. Man, so you just douse a whole area with LSD. Pretty much, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Also, when it ends, when the spell ends... It causes a severe thunderclap, like when it wraps up, it just goes. Boom, creates this concussive effect that everybody who failed their fortitude saves are also staggered for a round. <laughs>
0: God, <Okay>. that's amazing.
2: <laughs> oh, by wow. the way, as a standard action, you can change the rain, causing it to deal a different type of energy damage, such as fiery sparks that deal fire damage or shards of ice that do cold damage. Wow.
0: God damn, But that's a
2: fifth level spell, you know.
0: But can it make chocolate rain? (laughs) Chocolate (laughs) rain? Yeah,
2: I don't know. We'll have to play and see. Sure, Um,
0: surely. Well, you can flavor anything any way you want with a Witch Warper, surely you can do it.
2: You're right. You take 3d6 chocolate damage. (laughs) 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 Um, You just got Hershey Dog. Uh, Okay, so... (laughs) Something that you'll be able to do at level one. I figured we wanted a spell that kind of shows you what you can do when you jump right in. There's an Enduring Worlds, which it directly interacts with your Infinite Worlds feature. So say you use a spell slot to get an Infinite Worlds effect going on. You can then cast Enduring Worlds, which will uh, extend the effect of the Infinite Worlds action equal to your level you know, so you can just kind of basically focus on your infinite worlds and make it last and become a little bit more solidified in the present. So that's a cool way to like, give you a way to boost yourself in your core class ability. I really, I thought that was a cool spell to add, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, and if you, if you get put in a position where you're like, I don't really have another option, but this one thing I was already doing is being effective. Is working. Yeah. Yeah. right,
2: Right. You can, you can push it, you know? And I think, that also gets better when you know, you level up a little bit too because you get more level one spell slots, right? But you still only have to use a level one spell slot to maybe extend it four rounds if you're level four or six, you know what I mean? So it's it's a cool way to keep your infinite worlds synergetic with your growth, you know? And I really like that. And then here's, here's a big daddy level six Witch Warper spell unspeakable presences 60 foot radius. You swap the space beneath your enemies with gnashing maws, tentacles and claws of hideous beast from another reality. I knew it. A foe in the area takes 4d6 damage per round and cannot move until it succeeds at a reflex saving throw against your spell DC, which it can attempt at the end of each of its turns. Uh, A creature that takes damage from this spell three rounds in a row, must succeed at a fortitude save or be consumed by the unspeakable presences. That creature dies, and when the spell ends, its body and gear disappear into the realities from whence the presences came. This is a death effect. Only Miracle, Warp Reality, and Wish can bring back a creature slain this way. So you summon Eldritch Horrors where the ground used to be. Yes.
0: <laughs> but but then when it ends, they take the enemy with them back to their eldritch horror world. Wow. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> All oh, the while God. doing a
3: shit ton of damage in case they actually do get out. That's awesome. Witch Warper, y'all. That's the, fucking the, Witch the, Warper, the thing man.
0: with Witch Warper is that it's infinite worlds. Like, if you... Like, I can just see so many people that, you know, don't do podcasts and thing like, things like that using, you know, whatever. They could use things from our literal earth or they could use their favorite fandom and bring a fucking sarlacc you right. know into <laughs> the the starfinder realm and, yes. and there's there's nothing wrong with doing that because there are infinite worlds
2: well i think Witch warper is just such a good addition to starfinder because starfinder itself at its core is all about including everything you know, if it's ever been a sci-fi thing, it's influenced in some way, kind of represented in a way in Starfinder, right? That's the bit, you know, you look at the the back of the core rule book, at suggested reading and all the things that they drew influence from. It's everything. It's everything, you know? And so to have a class that embraces that and then boost it even more is just, it's awesome. I mean, I think the Witch Warper is such a cool... Cool new class, and you know, you always worry when you bring in another spellcaster, you know, how is this spellcaster going to be different from a mystic or a technomancer, right? Like, what's going to make it any different than just reskins of the same
1: exactly same
2: spells, you know? But I think they did a really good job of making the witch warper specific spells not reskins and its own type of mechanic, mechanical flavor, you know. On top of all the paradigm shifts and infinite world stuff, it's just it's a really neat class. It's a different kind of spell class uh, spellcaster. And I yeah, as you said, Heath, you can just have so much fun with it. You can pull anything from your imagination into the world, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean I love it. Like I'm I'm gonna play it gonna play a Witch Warper pretty soon, so I'm really excited.
1: Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, honestly, whenever I first uh, heard about the uh, the Witch Warper, I mean, I was like, that, that looks fucking amazing, you know? Yep, Palimpsest. That's it, Palimpsest.
0: Yeah, it's, palimpsest. Josh just popped up Palimpsest on our video feed. Palimpsest. I just like, gave palimpsest. him the thumbs up. Yep. Um, all
2: right, that's all I got on Witch Warper for now.
0: Yeah, so we have one more class, and I think you all know who's going to be Addressing that, and when this book first came out, it's the class I was most, I think, very obviously, most interested in, and that's the Vanguard. John, tell us how fucking cool
1: is the Vanguard. Well, okay, first off, I do want to say that I like that Adam went ahead first because the class that he went with alters reality, all right, whereas the Vanguard. Utilizes a current reality, all right? But not like a mystic or a solarian, which is welcome. It's unique in its own way, okay? Now, the vanguard is a, in the book, it's considered a nigh-unstoppable force of nature, all right? So it is just brimming with cosmic energy uh, whose focus is on the nature of change and decay, all right? Uh, another way of putting it, the, the universal law of entropy as a single constant, All right, so they harness that entropy and uh, at their will to shape and control, you know, in combat. And so what they have is now this is actually Starfinder's first constitution-based class. All right. Yeah, and I love that. I'm so glad we have one. Exactly. I mean, I I think they did a great job utilizing what was considered a secondary fill-in stat, so you don't die kind of uh, stat, you know? It's but so can awesome. Get a class.
2: Yeah, it's so awesome to have a Constitution-based class, dude. It's needed. Well, and, like, it's a hard one to flavor into a class. And I, I, I won't it step is. on your toes, but they I just no, 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 want to no. say they did it such a, a good job. This is what a Constitution-based class based class
1: looks like, you know? Oh, I, I agree. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. So... Uh what they start off with from the class just by itself before you introduce any other modifiers uh or race they start off with 7 HP and 7 stamina all right which is 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 pretty formidable you know um so that so that kind of leads into a, po- a possible are they going to be a tank scenario you know and so uh with that they are proficient in light and heavy armor Along with shields, all right? Mind you, that's also the only class that actually starts with the proficiency in shields. Uh,
2: All right. Fighters get it retroactively, or soldiers get it retroactively.
1: Do they get it retroactively? All right, then never mind. Okay. I wasn't sure about that. Okay. So part of the errata. Either way, it doesn't matter. Don't dim my shine.
0: (laughs) 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 I mean, to to be fair, and this is this is a beef that I've had for a long time, is they just fucking brought shields into the the future based game. You know what I'm saying? Shields are (laughs) the oldest goddamn thing you could have on a field of combat, and they just now figured out how to put shields Mm. in.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what makes me survive better? Oh, a shield. Nah, we don't need that in the future. Fuck that.
3: Yeah, no, I remember when we first started, that was something that I immediately was like, do we have shields?
1: Where are our right? shields? I mean, well, also it brings into the question that the, like one of the first images that you see in the core rule book is a dwarf fighting a Vesk. And what does that dwarf have? He's got a space ax and a space shield. All right. So it's just kind of like, it's, you know, where's the shields, but, Anyway, so let's go. Uh, let's go into what they are proficient is as, as far as weapons. They are basic and advanced melee, which comes into play with their uh, with some of their features as a vanguard. They're also they also have small arms as well, though. Okay, now uh, their secondary. Their secondary is going to be a high dexterity, which is going to boost your AC. It's going to increase your chance to hit. You know, um, so I mean, we all know dexterity is a god stat. It's great. Now. They start off, level one, just starting off, they already have three things, which is great. The first thing is that we're going to talk about is Entropic Strike, okay? Entropic Strike, however you pronounce it. It's based on your constitution modifier, because, of course, that's going to be your top stat. But you're not necessarily required to be a tank, okay? Now, uh, you can also utilize uh, Entropic Pool as well at level one. It's where you accrue and spend Entropic Points. Through a variety of ways during combat, your entropic strike is basically going uh, going to utilize these entropic points that is going to uh, provide damage in the form of EAC, uh, uh, even though it is a uh, physical uh, bludgeoning type of, I mean, uh, attack. You know, uh, but uh, they also gain aspects at level one. Okay, the first one at level one. Is where you're going to get a variety of some kind of improved combat maneuver, which is either going to be a plus four to either sunder, trip, reposition, bull rush, or disarm along with plus two vari- to a various skill that could include, that could be uh, perception that could be culture, something, anything. Okay. Uh, I think those are the, uh, that would be probably the most effective would probably be like trip, disarm and bull rush, but it's nice to see that at level one without having to spin a feet, you know? Yeah. That's um, nice. Yeah. Uh, but it also begs the question, are these, the combat maneuver specialists that were lacking in Starfinder. Okay? Because when you think about it, that CMD is fucking gnarly, dude. Plus right? eight, dude. I mean, CAC
2: plus eight. Oh, CAC plus God. eight. It makes, it makes it so, like, why would anybody try to do a combat maneuver? It's But daunting. they're fun. They're cool. Like, you want to
0: do them, you know, but, like, it, yeah. it doesn't make any sense to do them. You, no, you, like, no, have it have doesn't. To, uh, other than the Vanguard, you have to build towards them. Like you, right, have, yeah. To yeah. you exactly. have
1: to dedicate to it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Exactly. And so it's, it's such a welcome sight to actually see that as a already built in feature that you're going to start off with. Now, uh, it, now if you think about it, plus four from a first level aspect and a weapon that supports that same combat maneuver, you already have plus six towards one of those. Okay. Making it a CAC plus two, that's much more manageable at a lower level. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. That's actually usable. Exactly, exactly. And it's no longer daunting, you know? Um, so, other things that they can do. So, uh, they can well, also mitigate... Huh? Go ahead. I was just
2: say, that's going to just change up the pace of so many combats, too, right? Yes. Like, it's going to make yes. those combats play differently because you have somebody who's really getting in there and tangling, you know?
1: Yes, exactly. And I think that's, that's going to be something that is going to flip the script on any combat maneuver with when, when a vang, vanguard is is in the play so uh other things that they can do as you progress in the levels they can also mitigate damage uh using entropic points uh as well as gaining various ver- vanguard disciplines which uh just furthers your utility in combat um and whether that be drawing the ire of creatures more effectively directing energy near you to your shield uh, improving saving throws to disease or poison, dampening the damage you receive, etc. You know, basically they are meant designed to be utility. You know, but uh, at the same time, I mean, if a vanguard discipline allows a saving throw to resist its effects, the DC is equal to ten half your vanguard level plus your Constitution modifier. So, pl- so raise that Constitution modifier as high as you can. Yeah. Um but like what I, what I thought was really cool about this is the various archetypes they include. So they already try to give you some some different ideas. Um some of the ones that they include is the exhibition fighter. Um so you're an expert in more than uh, one or more forms of melee combat, you know. And you and if you wanted to, you could uh, display your talents for money choosing the gladiator theme, you know. Titanium Mike Uh, so so
0: if you don't Uh mind me interrupting for just a second i was because the vanguard was the class i was most excited about i think that's apparent by my personality and when i started (laughs) reading about the vanguard i won't lie at first i got mad i got really irritated because i was like oh you put this shit out now the class that what that is what titanium mike should be you know like Mm -hmm. after the fact because so many elements of this class line up with the idea of what Titanium Mike is more you know, not so much the, the the mechanics of of what Titanium Mike is in his current state, but so many of the things that they're good at that I want to be good at.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It, it just lines up with with the kind of character I want to play.
2: Sure, but I think um, I think that tension between what Heath wants to play and what Mike is able to do is a huge part of who Mike is as a character like i f- really feel that that tension has informed mike's personality so much so much you know yeah
0: i mean mike that's mike is still dope as fuck there's no <laughs> oh, you like getting titanium around mike? that is the thing i absolutely <laughs> love titanium mike and at this point i wouldn't change him for the world mm-hmm. nothing that i'm i've done except maybe one or two things would I yeah, we'll get to alter later. in any way? But like, I just just reading this, I was like, "This is such a fucking titanium mic class," you know, like the actual yes. class itself.
1: Absolutely. Anyway, yeah, I'm sorry
0: to derail you.
1: No, 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 no. You're good. You're good. Uh, but other ones that they include are heavy infantry, which again, like I mentioned earlier, doesn't have to be a tank. You can go ahead and just be this uh, this big ass monstrosity wielding a two hander. I mean, you know, Khan is just going to be your uh, your main stat instead of strength or something like that. Um, so, I mean, you're going to be the boots on the ground. You're going to be holding that territory. You're going to be the most. Uh, you could be very dangerous in fighting. You know, um, you can also be a peacekeeper. Think about it. You know, uh, law officer. You can also be a warden. Uh, uh, such as Guardian, you know. Basically, you you're going to be with shields prepared for offense and defense. Captain America, think about it. You know.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's amazing. And well, and you can you can go either way with strength or dex with this class, right? Uh,
1: uh well, they say that uh, that dexterity should be the uh, the. I mean, uh, is more often the choice to go with for your secondary stat than strength. But I don't see why you couldn't. But I think you should prepare a little bit further ahead if you are going to go strength. In my opinion,
0: sure. I think that's the case with strength characters in general, though. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's that's me on the uh, vanguard. <laughs> I think it's pretty pretty cool. Yeah, it's a it's a really neat class. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, I mean, I honestly. And this is not just, you know, kissing the book's ass. I really think every single one of these classes is unique, is interesting, differentiates itself from the existing classes, uh, and really adds a lot to the lexicon of what Starfinder can be and was much needed. Again, I think it this completes Starfinder, not adds on to it, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's interesting to note that all these classes feel in line with the other classes. You know what I mean? Like as far as they f- they f- seem to fit that roster into that roster well, you, you know, because they do carve their own places, but they don't feel like particularly overpowered over the core classes or like out of place with kind of the aesthetic of the other classes. You know, they've they've we've said it before. They feel like they should have been there from the start. You know, this is this is the complete rule set for Starfinder now, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, there's the, a lot
2: more, right? <laughs> God,
0: I mean, so dude, that's the thing. Yeah, that's just if, the classes. Okay, so we've addressed the three new classes. They're all amazing, but there's a lot more in this book that we've got to address. And from this point on in the show, we've got to. And I've said this before, and it hasn't worked, but I'm going to trust you guys to go with me. We've got to be a little bit rapid fire here, okay? <laughs> we're, going we really, long,
2: uh, we're going really. We're going. We'll try. Yeah.
0: Well, we're trying. I'm trying to avoid going long. So hard. I
2: know. Well, there's a lot in here, but we'll do our best. All right, let's yeah. go.
0: So the the next thing uh, that I wanted to address: there are a lot of new themes. Mm. Okay, and I know every everyone doesn't have one, but just quickly, I wanted to: if you had looked over any themes that you thought were interesting, just let me know. What what theme did you think was cool? That was new.
2: Well, I'm messing around with the sensate theme. I actually have a character that is a sensate. And I think it's just really cool because the whole thing is about tapping into your just want to experience new things. It's all about reveling in new sensations and new experiences. And it's just being all about discovering the unknown. Right. So this is a plus one con to con theme perception is your theme skill and you get knowledge checks reduced for culture against artistic innovation and traditions and life checks against identifying drugs and medicinals, poisons and food. Um, it, <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm, Lo- I, I, sorry i think it's appropriate it's a plus one con because you'll take whatever drug and eat whatever food in the world yeah man you're just not you're
2: unafraid of of trying new things you know so i think a plus one to con is is good um i won't go into much detail about i just want to tell you the names of the features that you get and let you kind of assume what they might be charming curiosity at 6th level, flash of courage at 12th and sensation junkie at 18th. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's I'm glad it's junkie is in the name.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, that's so funny. it's kind of the fear factor theme. You know what I mean? Like you're, this this a sensate would be on fear factor, no problems.
0: Well, a sensate would win fear factor.
2: Yeah, right, would kill it. That's
0: what I got on themes. <laughs> Anybody so else? So many
3: good ones. Yeah, I've got one, uh, the noble scion. Basically you're a fancy pants, bougie person come from a rich family. Uh, seems like it's tailored to fit with like an envoy, uh, gives a plus one to charisma, character creation and lowers DC check, uh, for culture checks to recall knowledge about, and this is not from the book, but fancy things (laughs) like (laughs) aristocracy, powerful families, prominent personalities, and general etiquette, uh, so it lowers the DC of those things uh, by five. Uh, at sixth level, you get – and I just love this. You get a weekly stipend of 100 credits <laughs> that cannot be, cannot be spent on anything but fancy stuff.
0: You get You get daddy's <laughs> money with a caveat, yes. right?
3: Right. So it can't be spent on, as the book puts it, permanent goods or items. It's purely for stuff like fancy meals, better lodging, higher-grade transportation – I mean, you know, oh, noble wow. science got to live that bougie life. That's right, dude.
2: Got <laughs> a that's, that's for twelfth level, guests, you know.
3: I think- at twelfth level, you get a personal retainer, so you have a, a secretary, a
0: butler. <laughs> you have a butler. You have a fucking yeah. butler. Oh, uh,
3: they they don't go on adventures with you, but they attend a business back home, deliver messages, and maintain your home living quarters. Um, and then the last thing they get is you can spend one resolve point, or sorry, you regain a resolve point by spending 10 minutes socializing at an upper-class social function like a gala. <laughs> and same with being the focus of attention at an upscale bar or dance club for 10 minutes. You can get two resolve <laughs> points back
0: <laughs> you're, per day you're mech- that way. You're mechanically an, intro- an extrovert. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I just, I love it. That's great. Cool. That's that, great. I mean, there there are some great themes. Check out the rest. There are a bunch of them. There really are. Um. So next, I wanted to move on to uh, alternate class features. And this one is is really important. It changes mechanically how classes work, you know? Like, that's that's a very big deal. Um, somebody want to go first here?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll go first. Uh, so I was digging around into the ICOM, and I found one that I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, that was the Aesthetic Warrior, okay? So, I mean, the Aesthetic Warrior... It's basically where you're studying fighting styles, where you, that that you thought lost to the gap. You know, it's the art of ancient civilizations, where uh, the study and use of relic weapons and battle gear. You know, now what's interesting about that though is is that you gain an improved unarmed strike as a bonus feat, which di- which uh, switches it from being an archaic mode of uh, dealing damage to lethal damage for your unarmed strikes. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, uh, you at third level you gain weapon specialization with unarmed strikes, so it's further going into using that. So you can already kind of get a monkish feel for this, you know. Um, also does I mean like if you're ever disarmed, perfect for that. Uh, and also uh, allows um, where if you can already add one and a half your character level to your unarmed attack rolls, uh, you, what you can do is you can instead. You can block, grapple, or and stun weapon, uh, and use stun weapon uh, special properties to your unarmed strikes. Whoa. Uh, so now so, this is all for soldiers. This is for soldiers. Okay. Now this replaces a soldier's proficiency with heavy armor and heavy weapons. I thought that was uh, pretty cool. Uh so it very okay.
0: much is the monk though. It, it I is. Mean, that's monk like crazy, and I know there's something else for monk uh, key adept where they actually get right. key later on. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah. That's cool, man. Um, well, I looked into Solarian, of course. Um, and I just want, I'll real quickly say they got ranged solar motes. You can be a ranged Solarian. Finally. Now. Yes. Uh, you get to choose cold or fire damage. It's treated like a small arm, it does 1d4 damage, increases by a d4 at 6th, 9th, and 12th, and then every level after, I think that's pretty cool. Um, When you get that weapon specialization at level 3, normally for small arms it only adds half your level, but with the solar flare you get to add your full level to the damage, so that's pretty neat. Um, And it interacts with any revelations that were printed in the core rule book that say that are melee weapons. Your Solar Flare can can do those. They're treated like the melee solar stuff. So they have access to the same types of revelations. And then they dropped a whole bunch of new stellar revelations for the Solarians and they really expanded that Solarian class. Um, One day I'll play one. I'm really looking forward to it, but... So so many cool things. Blade in the night, Solar Inferno. Just, just you'll, you'll get there, buddy. You'll get
1: there <laughs> one oh, day. It's cool stuff. Yeah, one, one day. of these days.
0: Okay, so I looked into an alternate class feature for the operative, which I've never played an operative, but I thought this was very cool. Uh, it is called the Stunt and Strike, Stunt and Strike, Stunt uh, and Strike, Stunt Strike, uh, uh, <laughs> stunt and Strike. But what it does is you replace your trick attacks. With the stunt and strike abilities. And you basically can, when you're on the offensive, do stunts. And stunts are based on different skill checks. So it's different for every operative based on what skills they're good at. And um, they really can utilize different skills to be able to do different things. For example, an uh, athletics-based operative can do... Um, Uh, mighty leap which is you can use a stunt when you go to attack somebody and if you uh trigger that you get a fly speed for one turn of 30 feet till the till the end of turn that's really it's just amazing and and it's really (laughs) diverse because there's all the different skills have different stunts numerous different stunts i think athletics has four different ones Mm -hmm. uh so it's it's cool you can build that however you want to build it
2: yeah i mean they really there's so much here guys i wish we could talk about all of it but they just they they put so much in there not just with the new classes but for our existing classes they expanded those and gave you so much more options to mess with and play with it's it's gosh sure we're we're, i promise we're not being bought by paizo here we just love the book this much you know like it's it's so it's so good it's it's awesome.
0: Yeah. So, all right. I'm sorry to do it to you, but we got to move on. All right. All right. All right. So, I had I had been reading through the book, and I came across half elves, and I think half elves got treated really well in this book. So, oh, I'm gonna, you
2: mean they gave
0: racial bonuses and new options too? <laughs> yeah, they got all kinds of stuff. So, oh I, my gosh. I wanted to cover a couple of topics in a row just based on the half elves. Okay. okay. You know, so since we've been talking about alternate ability adjustments, alternate racial features, and things like that throughout this book, um, I wanted to spotlight that race. Um, and they're such a good example of how this book ties together flavor, lore, and mechanics all in one, one package. You know, so an alternate ability adjustment for half elves, normally they get a straight plus two to whatever stat they choose because of their half elf versatility kind of thing. However, in the com, Uh, You can choose to give them plus two decks, plus two intelligence, and minus two con to heavily reflect their elven ancestry if they take after the elven parent or were raised among elves. So they can really lean into the elf side of that statistically. They also nice. get an alternate racial trait, which I just thought was amazing because I wanted to play a Rhyphorian for so long. They can be instead of half human half elves, they can be half Rhyphorian half elf. So you nice. have that. is it
2: Rhyphorian
0: specific or
2: any race?
0: No, no, it's half elf
2: specific. Right, but like, like, is it all, can they the other half? The other half? No,
0: it's just yeah, it's just Rhyphorian.
2: Oh, that's cool! Interesting. Man.
0: Okay. Yeah, because because apparently there are big elf settlements or half elf settlements on uh, Triaxis. So okay, you have the half elf and riforian subtypes, but you lose the human subtype, which makes sense. Right. You gain because you are a riforian resistance to resistance to to cold and fire, and in extreme cold or heat, you attempt Fortitude saves once per hour instead of once every ten minutes.
2: Dude, that's so oh, wow.
0: cool! Yeah, that's, that is and awesome. and flavor wise, you can choose to be a summer born or a winter born as far as how you look. So that's, that's fun. Really. So cool too. okay, but the the thing that I was really really excited about is that just half elves get a new soldier option called Squad Fighting Style okay half elves epitomize the cooperative spirit of this fighting style okay and at level one they get coordinated aim which gives you as a bonus feat for free the coordinated shot feat which means allies get plus one to hit targets you threaten uh allies get this bonus even if you're in the way of the target if you're giving the target cover they still get the bonus wow yeah, at level five, you get quick backup. As a full action, you can move up to twice your speed and attack an enemy, threatening an ally once per 10-minute rest. You can move twice your speed and attack all at once. That's okay? insane. At level nine, you, you think that's insane. Mystic Swap, as a move action, uh, move action, I'm sorry, I had two shots recently. <laughs> at, Mystic Swap, as a move action, spend one resolve, to teleport, switching places with an ally within 60 feet. Wow. Dude. Yeah, level cool. level 13, that. precise flanker. You and flanking allies get an extra plus one to hit. Also, enemies flanked like this, who use guarded step, provoke opportunity attacks.
2: I see a half-elf, a half- reforian vanguard in Heath's future. <laughs> yeah, you better <laughs> yeah, fucking yeah. believe it, baby!
0: Uh... Level 17, this is the real kicker. Share training is what it's called. You grant an adjacent ally one of three pre-selected combat feats you have for one round as a reaction.
2: Uh, you get you a
0: sideboard. You just give somebody, give one of your allies next to you, a fucking combat feat that you have for a round. That's incredible, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fucking amazing. And half-elves got treated right. I've never been a half-elf guy, but I was just enamored by how they approached it in this book.
2: Yeah, they really right. gave it, it gave him right. some love, you know?
0: Yeah. Okay, so archetypes. All right, we're going to be real quick about this. You guys have any archetypes you're interested in? There's a lot of them. Please, listeners, look into them. I know we're rushing through this.
1: There are amazing actually actually i've got one real quick uh just for archetypes there is one that's called the power armor jockey just real quick it is just uh those that want to get the best performance out uh, possible out of any suit of powered armor that they wear it's gonna uh, basically these guys are just real junkies for power armor they they visit all the uh, uh uh they visit uh different um like armor manufacturers, they learn different construction techniques, how to uh, their own field repair, and they swap uh, like uh, ways that they have improved their armor. Um, basically, you can uh, improve uh, your speed. You can uh, improve uh, the amount of uh, upgrades you can wear in your armor. You can uh, improve like uh, everything from its strength score uh, to its damage. Uh, you can spend a resolve point to uh, that whenever you take hit damage, it actually causes your powered armor to take the same amount of damage instead. Now, only hit da- uh, only hit point damage is transferred to your armor. Your stamina points are depleted as normal, but you uh, take any other effects of whatever harmed you, such as a critical hit effect. Yeah, it's honestly yeah. fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Warrior baby. Yeah, when mm-hmm. Powered
0: Armor had been, uh, it had a little bit of a bad reputation, so this is a good way to offset
1: that. Exactly. Yeah, if that's something you exactly. want to do, you
2: can definitely lean into it and, and get it. Uh, I had one, uh, I'm not going to go through like all of it, but yeah. it's called The Fixer. And I just love that they gave you an opportunity to play the wolf from Pulp Fiction. Yes. Yeah, like, so that's what it is. <laughs> that, I mean, it's a fixer so your whole thing is that you can give up a couple of your class features to really lean lean into being the guy that gets called to come in up and clean up a mess. You know what I mean? Like So let's say you're playing a, an evil campaign or a less than lawful campaign at the very least. Like this is such a cool theme for you to be able to be like Really, really good at covering tracks or helping criminals out of jams and making them owe you one. You know, like you can make the mob owe you because you're the best at, in the biz. Because you got rid of shit. a
0: crime, right? You got right, rid right, of their right, criminal right. You get identity. a specialized
2: toolkit called a cleaners kit. You get all this cool stuff you get cleaner at six. So it starts at six level. So you have to already kind of been around the block a little bit before you can even take this archetype, you know, so you can't even take it until you're six level. Um, But you get cleaner at six level, you get information fixer at ninth level, and then you get tap into the criminal network at 12th level. And then you get what's called dark rep at 18th level. It's a lot of cool mechanics that all kind of center around diplomacy and like, being part of the criminal world, um, and, and if that's the type of campaign you're playing, it just would be so incredible for that. Uh, it's yet, really yet
0: an, yet another unique flavor option that that really gives you just a ton of different ways to play the game. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I have an archetype that I was really interested in. This one's kind of unique. It doesn't get its first ability until level nine. Okay uh it's called an instructor and being that i work in education i couldn't help but be interested in this and at, at at level 9 it gets mastery and twice per day you can just take 10 with a chosen skill even if the situation would normally prevent you from doing so uh oh, that's cool if that's awesome. if yeah, if you cool. choose to do that you can expend a use of this feature to lower its dc by 5 Nice. And then it increases the number of charges as you get to different checkpoints, right? Sure. So at level 12 you get efficient mentor, you can aid more quickly. Full action aids take standard actions. Standard action aids take move actions. Move action aids take swift actions. But if you choose not to take that swifter way of aiding, you get a plus 4 to your aids. Wow. To all of your aids. Okay, that's and th- awesome. and then at lev- level eighteen, you get legendary master twice per day. Take twenty on a skill check, and you notice the possible consequences of a skill check before they occur. You can stop, deal with the problem, and keep on taking that fucking twenty.
2: That's that's insane, dude. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, I one day I want to dive into archetypes. That's such a new thing for us, and I don't think that we've like really. Explored that as as a group of players, and it's just such a neat, neat thing. Uh, I want to. I I think I, if I ever get to play my Solarian, I'm probably gonna take an archetype with that. You'll
0: take five different archetypes, right?
2: (laughs) (laughs) So I've got
3: one to go. You know, real quick, just one specific thing with it: the medic archetype at second level. Like, genuinely, biggest thing you can get at second level is that any healing that you do that would heal HP and overheals goes into stamina healing.
0: Oh, shit. Oh, finally. Fucking finally. (laughs) Something like that, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah. And then I'm going to skip over the ninth level stuff. Eighteenth level, within one minute of a creature dying, as long as its body wasn't destroyed, disintegrated, or ruined in some way, you can spend one minute of uninterrupted work to revive a creature at one HP.
0: Ah oh, that's, that's amazing. So like, that's,
2: that's great.
0: That's amazing. Well, and that like stamina versus HP has been such a hard barrier for so long and like to be able to cross that bridge is very big deal.
2: Mhm. Mm-hmm.
3: Right?
0: Yeah. I mean, the way
3: that I read it, if they're at full full HP and you use an HP healing thing, that's overhealing them, it bumps up their stamina. Yeah.
0: yeah that's yeah. great. You you get that's to great. choose how you want to do it. Okay. Yeah. So, look, I want to say this. Uh we're going to move on to feats and I was stunned by feats in this book. There are well over 70 feats in this book. I know. I haven't even wrapped my head around all the feats in the core rulebook. Yeah, well, yeah, you you've, got I mean? se- you've got you've <laughs> got 70 plus to deal with in this book. And oh that's that one that's not even counting the new feats that are associated with particular races. Yeah. Well, I you know, I
2: did look through them, Heath. I did look through them, even though I was overwhelmed. And I found one that just synergizes so well with Witch Warper that I just I wanted to spotlight it real quick. If you're a Witch Warper, I feel like you got to take this one at, at level 5. It's called Frightful Display. Okay? You have to have a Charisma of 15, and you have to have 5 ranks in Intimidate to take it, and you have to have the ability to cast spells. Okay? So this sounds already Witch Warpery, right? Here's the deal. You unnerve your spell victims. I'm sorry. You unnerve your spell's victim with odd gestures, cackling laughter, or other effects. And as a reaction, when a creature fails a saving throw against a spell you cast this round, you can attempt an intimidate check to demoralize that creature. Yeah. Like as a reaction, like in demoralize, like debuffs them hard like make some like minus twos and stuff like that i mean so if you're a spellcaster, you just get this as a free reaction you're not going to be taking opportunity attacks you're going to be out of range of doing any opportunity attacks so here's something to use your reaction with boom like i cast i bring in this crazy alternate reality and i'm cackling madly with my own power and it intimidates you on top of whatever it is that i just made you fail your save on like it's so cool, dude! What a cool feat. I feel
0: I feel like our friends in the Hideous Laughter podcast would really appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> frightful <laughs>
2: display should be the name of your video cast, Hideous Laughter. You, hit it, you, you heard it
3: here. You heard first. it here
0: first. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, so, so I've got one that kind of fits in with stuff like what Fel was doing early on uh, with the grenades. The feed is called Cook Grenade. As a full action, you can draw a grenade and make a ranged attack with it. If you do so, the grenade's re- reflex save uh, DC is increased by two. If your attack roll is a natural one, and uh, you know the d20 actually comes up as a one, the grenade instead detonates at a randomly determined grid intersection of your space. So you can pull the pin, hold it, you know, full action, full six seconds, and then throw it. So they've got less chance to get out of the way with that reflex save, or it could blow up in your fucking hand. <laughs>
0: It's just chaos. It's just fucking. Yeah. Ca- you know what? You said that's related to Phil. You're not wrong. I feel like it's just another way that Fel could fuck Titanium Mike with a grenade. You know. <laughs> ah, exactly. Well, he'd
3: also be fucking himself at the same time
0: with yeah. it as well. Well, he would have earned it, wouldn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah, that's true. That's true. So I want to. I want to bring up one feat that I saw, <clears throat> and I think it, there's a way you could build if if you had a a. a Charisma Wisdom based Witch Warper. You could maybe do this uh, once you get a few levels in. It's called Cosmic Truth. It, it's a prereq of Wisdom 15, Bluff 5, Mysticism 5. Okay? But as a standard action, you spend one resolve to force one creature within 30 feet to attempt a will save or be confused for 1d4 rounds. Oh, whoa, dude. And confused, cool. confused, you roll like what, a d100? To determine yeah. the effects, and within a certain range, they attack themselves. Oh, all
2: sorts of bad shit can happen when you're yeah. confused. Yeah, yeah, that's that's cool. That's another very witch warperu type deal. I love it. I love it. There's so much in here. There's so
0: I I thought much you would like that in one. here.
2: Yeah, I didn't okay, even so- see that one. You
0: know, like. So, look, all right, let's 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 go to uh, equipment. This is going to be very quick. I think there's only one or two of us that have equipment. I'm going to start this time, and I'm going to say the fucking punch gun, okay? <laughs> the most titanium mic shit in the world. I'm not even going to give you the description I wrote out, because what I'm going to say is the one picture I've ever seen of a punch gun was a glove that had two shotgun shells affixed to the top of it, and you hit somebody in the mouth with two shotgun shells. And they go off. Oh my
1: god! <laughs> ah, that's a shell knuckles. Yeah, dirty. Yeah, that's yeah.
0: but there, I looked, and there's like five different versions of the punch gun that I've seen so far. Wow! And they can be they can be uh needlers as well. They can be for bi- mm-hmm. biohackers. The can injectors. use punch guns.
3: Oh, that's cool too. Yeah, so you can make a ba- uh, melee biohacker.
2: Oh my god! Yeah. I want to play all all the classes. I want to do it all. Yeah, yeah, play we all can. Uh,
3: but no, I I came across one item that I just I had to point out. Because the, the visual image of this is just so funny to me. Um, so it's the regeneration serum. It's a brownish liquid that can be injected into the stump of a lost limb or a ruined organ. Uh, it regrows the limb. But like you have my to eat liver? Like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> You'd have
0: to find it, but yeah.
3: Yeah. But uh, But no, it, it regrows the limb, but you have to eat like a lot. And by that, I mean like a full day's worth of food every hour for a full 24 hours. So,
0: so if you got if you had your leg cut off <clears throat> wow. at a fucking oh Arby's, God. you'd be okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we got the meat.
0: Or, or rather a <laughs> golden corral. There you go. Wow. Golden
3: corral, you'd be you'd be you'd be golden. Oh.
0: I'm look, I'm not mad at that joke, Josh. This is rare. <laughs> I'm not mad at that joke.
3: Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> But no, I just imagine it like it's it'd be like Deadpool's limb regenerating or something like this creepy tiny little baby limb coming back yeah. out and just weaseling its way. But back you're pole. fucking just
0: smashing <laughs> heavy ass food all day long to do it.
3: Yeah, that's amazing. Like like three three
1: meals an hour. Yeah. <laughs> that that wins. That's so cool.
0: Look, so we could go on about this book forever. You can tell we're already in a rush because we have so much we want to say about it. We've already cut off a few things. But look, this book is amazing. It really completes the game. You need to get it if you care about Starfinder, if you care about your fucking characters. Get this book. It really is worth it. That said, we've gotten through what we're going to talk about in the character operations manual. I think we still have to get to listener questions. Oh yeah! The people that really matter here are the listeners, right? Yeah.
2: So it's time for listener questions, and I, in this already supersized time talks, I've got quite a few for y'all this evening.
0: Hold up! All right, carry on. Now you're ready.
2: Now you're ready. (laughs) (laughs) I got two that are actually character operations manual related. All right. So the first one comes from our, well, these all come from Discord. So if you're listening to this and you want to get your listener questions on the air, I suggest you join our Discord. Uh, this comes from Shio, and he asks, Are there any changes, retroactive or otherwise, that you all would make to your characters with the options in the character
0: operations manual? Also, is there any chance that Mike will be picking up a riot shield at some point? Uh, I'll go ahead and take this one. I'll field this question. Uh, the changes I might make are there's a new uh, theme in the character operations manual called athlete. So like, fuck, yeah, I'd be an athlete instead of a mercenary, although both work equally for his backstory, which is great. And the other thing I would change is that at level one, I would get a fucking riot shield
2: yeah, you'd be you'd be you'd be yeah. starting with that, yeah. so
0: so yeah. yes, to the second part of the question,
2: what about you, Josh? Is there anything you'd change for fell? Would you st- stick with the exocortex? Yeah. I honestly, I was not
3: uh, not really feeling what they did with the weapon specialization or armor specialization or experimental weapon experimental mm. armor that uh, they did with the mechanic just just for the flavor of fell. Like they're cool in their own right, but they're not good for the character,
2: yeah, I mean, fell um, is definitely. Always gonna be an exocortex mechanic. That's Absolutely. who he is, You know. I,
3: I yeah. I mean, is there is there. I mean, there may be some feats that I'd be interested in, but nothing specific comes to mind.
2: Yeah, I mean, because even the theme you took, we found from another book that was like so perfect and specific. Yeah, cyberborn's know, perfect right, for right, right, right. What about you,
1: John? Anything you'd do different with? As far as uh, as far as Zeno. Mm-hmm. Not really. I mean, you know, there there's the easily augmented, which seems like that that would be pretty cool, um, where you would just get, uh, you would sub out the upgrade slot for a cybernetic augmentation. Um, but, I mean, other than that, probably not. Yeah. I mean,
2: the thing is, is that with that question, Neo... Uh, Neo, I'm sorry, New. With that question, New, um, I mean we built these characters with what was available for us and we when we build our characters I think I can speak for all of us is that the choices we make inform the characters and so like there's not gonna be a Xeno that isn't built the way that is built because all those decisions were whether We've it was mechanical excited. or not they're symbiotic with the actual development of the character you know what I mean? so right. like it's hard mm-hmm. to say that, like, well, he'd be a different kind of android because he's not, you know? He's he does, he's not. Now, I think it's likely we would have maybe made different characters altogether if we had had these options to start Available with.
1: Available to begin with. Yeah. It's
2: yeah. a very good chance of that, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, thank you for the question. <laughs> Our next com-related question comes from Commodore. Uh, with the calm out now and the pet rules in Alien Archive 3, what niches do you feel are still underserved for character concepts? Do you think that there is a space
0: that's still being unfilled? Uh, this one's tough for me because they did make an adjustment to make it to where you could play something closer to a monk. And I've, you, you know, as well as anybody, I've played, like, what, three monks already? Yeah, monk in, is, like, one of your favorite ed. classes. Right. Yeah, so I, I really, you know, I, I don't think it's fair to say that I don't think what they've done is enough, but part of me wonders, is it enough to truly be a monk,
1: you know? Well, I, I think that they have filled that niche uh, pretty well in this. But as far as anything that's still underserved, it's so difficult to actually say that because there's just so much that they really got right with this yeah. book. You know, I mean, I mean, like before this book, I would even, I would, I would uh, contend that with Grappler, for example, you know, or anything mm-hmm. related to improved combat maneuver but that's can be uh through soldier or vanguard you know so whichever one's better don't know
0: one even uh like bard was one of my first thoughts but they actually did add things so you can have more of a bard flavor and mechanical flavor in this book
1: and barbarians and all the other kind of more classic feel that you would get from pathfinder you know
2: yeah i mean i don't know i every time i think of like a Like uh, archetype, and I don't mean in the Starfinder sense of the word, but I mean in the literary sense of the word, you know, like you know, you could have that kind of gunslinger like rebel type, you know what I mean? But that's basically an operative, you know? or
0: You can can build that with an operative. There are soldier builds for that. I actually saw today, and I thought, I don't mean to waste time, but I saw today where somebody built uh, the Mandalorian Mando in in Mm -hmm. starfinder that's pretty cool like in the last couple of days i just can't think of anything i mean nothing jumps listen
2: listen if you're gonna play a game that's all centered around being on a starship like a star trek type type game there might be a class that's a little bit more like specific towards being really good at starships you know what i mean i don't even know what that would look like but like Fleshing out, like, the idea of being a captain of a starship as a class. You know what I mean? Like, but that's not what the game is, you know? Like, the game is exploring a bunch of d- different stuff, feet on the ground, you know? So, I, I listen, I'm not a professional game designer either. So, part, part of what makes this book so good is that they filled some spaces that I didn't even know needed to be filled. And then, like, f- it just seems like it naturally should have been a part of it from the get-go, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, as it stands now, I, I've, there's so much that you can do and I don't know what another class would look like. You know what I mean? I don't know what, what what's a class that you could bring in that's not going to step on, you know, maybe some version of the Oracle, but even that's kind of covered in, mystic with a particular connection you know well Um, there's
0: there's even rules now for like races and stuff that are like shape changers and stuff like that mm, you know mm -hmm, like uh, mm -hmm. there's a lot that really really has been covered in one way or another i mean i will
2: say how about this and i think he'll love this the idea of a summoner Pokemon like a class that's built around being a Pokemon trainer. Well, that kind of flavor. Yeah. You know, like of being like a summoner, like a true pet class. Like where having a pet is part of the class. Where like summoning and all that kind of stuff is maybe that's what's missing. If well, you know if you're at yeah. another spellcaster, you know, something that focuses on, on kind of like
3: a spellcaster
0: drone well, mechanic. I, I will say there are um i i do think there may be a deficiency in pure summoners that all you do is summon 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 something mm-hmm. but even witch warper when i was looking into it has access to summon creatures and you get a choice of between four different creatures that you can summon at what whatever point you know sure but i'm talking about something that like okay this is what you're like you're just summoning. really
2: good yeah. at it yeah 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 uh okay good question commodore thank for that and now we're going to get into some general questions and i've uh i've got a few for you guys and this is going to kind of take us back into uh aeon throne right onto the cast by lucker ask during the prison break arc being so close to die in there multiple times did anyone have a backup character if someone died what kind of class would the next character be so I think I'm more interested in the first part of that question. Did any of you have a backup in case
1: the character died? I mean, nope. did anybody even come close to dying? I don't know. <laughs> 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 Says fucking no. John, right? Yeah, let me ask you <laughs> first, John. I mean, because you were yeah. almost uh, dead for, three
2: like, e- yeah. for almost three episodes, right? So like, yeah. you if anybody had time to contemplate having a backup character, did you have something in mind?
1: I was drumming up a uh, actually an operative. Um, okay. If I wanted to be a little bit, uh, but this was before, mind you, this was before the uh, character operations manual came out. Sure, sure. But uh, I was thinking something along an operative. I was thinking maybe like a former Aslanti, well, former, <laughs> you know, but I wasn't quite sure with that. Uh, it was still kind of like really just kind of baking in the old noodle, but you know, Uh, That's pretty much what all I had.
2: Well, you were definitely, it was definitely on your mind.
1: (laughs) It was, it was. You
2: know, John texted me a couple times, like, okay, well, like,
1: I really,
2: like, it would always start with, I really don't want Zeno to die. Like, (laughs) he would always lead the conversation with that. But if he does, here's some things I'm thinking about. You know what I mean? (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) you know. um, What about, I mean, Josh, you said you didn't everything. Heath, I mean, is, no. is is there? What happens if Mike dies?
0: So oh, what I have. So, if Mike so look, dies? hear me out. I have a strong stance on this. Okay, for a very long time, I have refused to contemplate or start building a backup character for Mike until he dies, because he will never die.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, is that your answer? Yes. All right, it's all right. been working for you though, man. I, I won't. You know, I know,
1: but seriously, I refuse
0: seriously, to make in, another character because
1: my character hasn't. No, died. I
0: mean, in all seriousness, I, aside from my braggadocious nature, I will not start making a new character until Mike dies. I will not do it. Right. Okay.
2: All right. Well, just more fuel for the fire. Okay. Yeah. Bipolar Pop Tart has two questions, and the first question, um, I like. But it might be tough to answer, but I want to put it out there. So now that Titty Mike, hey, look, he called you that. I'm I, just going to ignore it, that. Carry on. I support it. Uh, so now that Titty Mike has had his first bit in the spotlight, what type of minigame would each of you like to design for your character to play through? I've got one. Oh, uh, you do? Um, let's hear it. Yeah, I do. Dating. Oh well, we kind of did <laughs> that a little simulator. bit, right? No, I mean,
3: like with actual mechanics. I mean, there could be rules for like wooing bonuses for for awesome puns. I mean, if you play it right, it could uh, end in smooches. Ah,
2: okay, I won't no, lie, no. man.
3: No, I'm, no, 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 I'm, I I'm hate honestly, it. I'm kidding though. I'm kidding. I'm completely kidding. What I'd really like is an actual like hacking mini game. A hacking mini that, game, like,
2: Yeah, that would be cool. Like, there's got to be a way yeah. to make that. Something that yeah, a little a bit more than just a damn, dice roll, cool. right?
3: More than computers checks over and over right. and over. Right. You know, kind of yeah. a. I don't know if it'd be like a separate combat encounter type thing, or yeah, you know, I'm thinking like jacking into a system and moving through it Tron style or something would be really freaking cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and there have been lots of like video games that have had hacking mini games where you like move around puzzle pieces and and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. See yeah.
3: the yeah you know, Bioshock. Connect these pipes
0: cr-
1: that. correctly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, that's that's good.
2: What about you, John? Do you have anything? Oh I mean,
1: gosh, no, no, not at all. For that yeah,
2: one. I mean that's that's tough because it's
1: <laughs> build a drift beacon. Yeah, like I mean, yeah, I don't know. Teleport <laughs> us back over to Absalom Station. I right. know? I know, like, you know.
0: I know. I already got one, but I do have another one.
2: Uh, well, we don't care. You already got one.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I'll just go <laughs> fuck myself then.
2: <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it's it been is. a while. That's, I've been holding it back. Yeah.
0: Uh no but uh, like you know we've done a lot of uh flavor uh like training in the gym and stuff like that and I think that would be interesting to actually have a mini game for is when you're doing that yeah. downtime training Well
2: actually they added some of that into the character operations manual. Something we didn't even talk about it is a whole chapter on downtime activities that have mechanical bonuses and training in the gym is one of these downtime Son activities. Son of a
0: bitch, man. <laughs> I've been reading this book for five days and I'm still surprised.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, I mm-hmm. want to go back to Josh's answer uh, because we have a question from Porter Paladin and Porter Paladin asked PC, npc romance discuss past experiences what do you think it brings to the game and and we're gonna answer this for you porter uh but you have to go back and listen to the scene that's all i'm gonna say okay uh (laughs) so no but what what talk about a little bit romance in your TTRPG games is that something that should be there shouldn't
3: i mean i think it can have its place if it's done tastefully um, I'm not about erotic role play in any form or fashion. That's not something that I want to do with a group of friends. Right. Uh, I agree. Yeah. But you yeah. got a
1: beautiful voice, dude. <laughs> <Well>. <laughs>
3: <laughs> though, though I am not, uh, not above, uh, going on a date with a cuttlefish, you know, like if, if the way that I see it is if it adds to the story and if it adds to character development and it potentially explores a side of a character that you would never see otherwise, it's absolutely worth doing.
2: Well, I, I think the first thing is, and I'm, you know, this is assumed at our table, which is probably why we didn't say it. But like, it's making sure that the people you're playing with are on board with it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if the if your table is uncomfortable with doing romance, then you shouldn't do it. You know what I mean? Like, it's you you want to make sure that your table isn't put off by it, right? Now, if if you if everybody's with it, then yeah, I think there's a way to do it. And there's a there's a line that you can come up to without it being like explicit or gratuitous. You know what I mean? Like it's it if it's it serves the character, then why not do it?
0: So, to to that point a little bit, I think you know, I don't think it's all that common to have like real full-on romance in in anything less than a truly you know romantic grand love kind of sense but i think you know a lot of the games we've played in there have been elements of someone being in love with someone else star-crossed lovers things like that but it's always been at a distance it's always been part of the mystery of the game it's always been a part of someone's backstory something like that and i think those can be very powerful elements in mm-hmm. a person's backstory, in character development, things like that. But I mean, you're you're really gonna run into um, some challenges with trying to just full on have dating simulators slash erotic role play if you're not, like you said, if your character or not character, if your party is not like all about that, you know? Right.
2: I mean, you need to you need to feel your table out, and know where their know where their edges are, you know, and. But like I don't know, I just think that there's not a reason not to do it if it adds to the story, you know. And
3: well, I mean, in in Fell's case with Half Red, I mean, it was kind of one of those things that like this. It was not planned. It was not something that you know. And Adam, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not something like, hey, one of these characters is going to go on a date with one of these shopkeepers.
2: Yeah, no, that's not. That's all she is. That's not in the book. That's
3: all that that character is.
2: It, and you know, the just, color
3: changing stuff it just it just kind of naturally flowed happened and we we rolled with it and i had a lot of fun with it
2: well and the thing is as it comes down is you got to trust your 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 fellow players at the table you know like it's mm. it's hard to pull off effectively if you don't like have kind of an easy relationship with the people you're playing with i think that we're able to to kind of dive into it without any extra stress because we just know each other so well and like know we know where our boundaries are just inherently and and how are we gonna how are we as this group of players gonna pass up the opportunity to do a date that's only communicated in emojis like particularly (laughs) because of just How emojis have replaced communication in our world today it was such a it's such a good thing to funny gag to do. So anyway, yeah, that's 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 where we stand on it, Porter. Yeah, I know. Um, thank you for the question, and we're going to move on to Bipolar's second question real quick. What other animal would you like to have uplifted, and what would be their ideal class? Uh, a possum <laughs> and an envoy because they're just so damn charming. A
0: possum a, and p- what p- was an the second? Possum. I'm sorry. Uh,
2: Envoy. Yeah. Wow. So, wow. Yeah, so that would okay. be their ideal class. Yeah. <laughs> their class.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Heath. So, uh, look, man, I know Yasoki are already a thing, but I have three answers, okay? And they are the Teenage Mutant, mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay? I, okay. I need some uplifted turtles. Turtles. There are, they are in the.
2: Archive three. You can type.
0: be a turtle. I bought one and nice. two, not three. Damn it.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh okay, <laughs> but I said you you know, Yosoki already thing, I want biker mice from Mars as well, like big huge ass mice on yeah. bikes. Uh and then street sharks.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Street sweet. sharks,
1: dude. Yeah. John. Uh Minotaur. Do they have Minotaur yeah, in the alien do. archives? Yep. Ah, well that's the only one I
2: have. So they just oh, an uplifted bull, cool. a full on bull. Yeah, I want an yeah. uplifted duck. I want to be a mighty duck. Mighty a duck. Mighty okay. Duck. We're just bringing yeah. our
1: entire
0: childhoods into yeah,
1: this. Yeah, we're going to oh go. Oh my mind. God.
2: Okay. And our final listener question of the evening comes from Pukeko. How do you feel the Starfinder system captures the high tech feel of distant future tech?
0: That's a very tough question because, you know, um, we aren't living in the future for one. So we right. we have a lot we have a long history of sci-fi predicting what will come in the future and that history has been both incredibly accurate in some ways and incredibly inaccurate in others. So, right. I mean flying car. To 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 be a game like this. I mean, I again to sound like a fucking shield like I think they kill it. I think they have so many fucking options for whether it be, you know, biohackers having Newfangled ways to address old school, you know, medicinal disciplines and stuff like that, to, mm. you know, uh, teleportation, stuff like that. Like, I mean, we're, it, we made the point earlier that this game bases all of its stuff on all of the sci fi that came before it. So, how could it possibly do any better? It's read everything,
1: you know, between mm-hmm. all
0: the people that work in the company.
1: Exactly. It's got that secondhand knowledge. I mean, you're talking about equipment. Uh, augmentations, upgrades, all of these things that all just fit so well into their own niche as far as as part of the universe of Starfinder, but in whole have I mean uh, they borrow some from cloth from other sources, you know straight straight uh, straight. I out. mean, it comes down
2: to is that we're playing the damn game because it. Of the feeling that it captures. I mean, that's why we're drawn yeah. to it. Like, that's the whole reason we're playing it is because it gives us a chance to play with future tech, you know, and feel like we're playing mm-hmm. with it. That's why we love it. That's why it's we love my number one.
3: I love it. Yeah. Yeah. This is easily my favorite tabletop role playing game just because of the setting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: And because it does such a good job at bringing all of those things in together yeah because they
0: borrow so well from a genre i love so much you know exactly yep that's it yeah so so look we got to get out of here but adam help me out we're gonna back and forth we got to give you a few thank yous right okay so jason off the bat jason from what do you do pods
2: yeah thank you jason for sure. As always, you are the shining beacon of the podcast community. Uh, for me, I, got, I want to thank Alex Giordano. Uh, Giordano? Because, yeah. <laughs> uh, because of the artwork that he has pre- given us so far and what's to come. So our kind of resident artist right now, thank you for what you're doing.
0: All right. Hideous Laughter Podcast. Our brothers in arms, brothers and sisters you're in arms.
2: It. Excuse me yes indeed cheers and shout out to them uh, I want to give a shout out to Valhaven just because you know sh- I still love my bag so much and I kind of want to get another one shake that baby so,
0: shake that nice yeah. bag baby <laughs> <clears throat> um, I mean the, the every single person on the discord I know that's a, a blanket term but like the discord itself has been uh, yeah, our yeah, life yeah. for well, all
2: of us thank you so much like Truly, from Southern Tom Foolery's, the bottom of all of our hearts, thank you Discord for being such an awesome community and just making us feel so loved and appreciated. Thank you, thank you, thank you, uh,
0: Kevin McLeod
2: for all his music, yo.
0: Okay. I want to I want to thank Adam Kelly for his music.
2: <laughs> hey. um, gosh, we could go on all night. I'm sure I'm forgetting some folks, but just everybody who's listened and been a part of the show and contributed thank you <laughs>
0: for real it means a lot to us I think most of them are covered by the discord uh, which is why I did that
2: yeah that's good.
0: good uh, look we love you thanks for tuning in to another Tom Talks it was a great time we went long for you guys we didn't cover half of what we wanted to you know but we'll see you fucking next time we'll see ya we'll see ya <laughs> all right, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll see ya we'll see
1: ya we'll fucking see ya
0: Blah 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 blah. Wrong theme, wrong theme. No, it's just the one I like.
2: (laughs) Oh, okay.